beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul was a man who lived in the midst of the world. He knew what was going on in society around him. Just like the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul used illustrations from the life around him in order to teach spiritual truths. In our text, we see that Paul makes reference to the athletic games. We need to realize that Corinth is part of Greece. The Greeks were crazy about sports. It was in Olympia, south of Corinth, that the Olympic Games were hosted every four years. Nearer Corinth, only some 14 kilometers away, the Ithmian Games were held every two years. Paul was in Corinth in 51 AD when the Ithmian Games were hosted. It was a spectacular festival which attracted thousands of athletes and spectators. At these games, participants engaged in chariot races, foot races, wrestling, boxing, jumping, and javelin and discus hurling. So just like the Lord Jesus used parables, so Paul uses the example of these games in order to teach spiritual truths. He wanted the Corinthians to consider their lives on this earth as the running of a race with the goal of winning a prize. Paul took the games and taught the Corinthians to look at them from a spiritual perspective. Paul wanted them to see the physical things at a different level of reality. We can watch someone running in the Olympic Games, but Paul wants us to see another kind of running. We can observe men boxing, but Paul wants us to see another kind of fighting. We can view athletes training and denying themselves, but Paul wants us to see another kind of training and self-denial. We can see people smiling with a gold medal around their neck, but Paul wants us to consider another kind of prize. This morning we will consider the words that Paul speaks to us about the athletic games. We'll see how he encourages us to fight the fight of faith and to run the race of life with nothing less than Olympic passion and perseverance. On the one hand, we'll consider the prize, the crown, the finish, the triumph. We'll see what we are to run for and fight for. We'll consider what's at stake in the Christian life. On the other hand, we'll see how we need Christ's grace and spirit to help us in the fight of faith. May this provide encouragement for our young people as they profess their faith and for all of us as we consider our walk with God. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. Run the race of faith that you may obtain the imperishable crown of glory. We'll see the prize for running the race and the manner of running the race. Often those in positions of leadership, especially those who teach, are held to a higher standard. We expect them to practice what they preach. 
It's something that concerned the Apostle Paul greatly. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul gave a defense of his apostolic authority. He made himself a servant of all people. To the Jews, he became a Jew. To the Gentiles, as one without the law. To the weak, as one who was weak. Paul says, I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. Yet Paul was very concerned that he too might be a partaker of the grace he preached. In 1 Corinthians 9 verse 23, Paul says that he served all people for the gospel's sake, that he might share with them in its blessings. In our text, Paul goes on to encourage the Christians in Corinth to run the race of faith in such a way that they may inherit a crown that lasts forever. And in verses 26 and 27, Paul uses himself as an example. He speaks about how he does not run aimlessly or box as someone beating the air. Paul has focus. He disciplines himself. He keeps himself under control so that after preaching to others, he would not be disqualified from receiving the prize. Paul runs the race of his life that he might be a fellow partaker of the gospel. He wants to share in the gospel to obtain what the gospel promises. What the gospel promises is salvation. Salvation from sin and death and hell. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So what Paul is saying is this. I live for the sake of the gospel. I preach it. I become all things to all people. Not just so that they can be saved, but that I might be saved with them. God had called Paul to preach the gospel. On the road to Damascus, he told Paul that he would bear witness to the name of Christ before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. With all the struggles and hardships Paul faced, there would have been times when he felt like giving up. But Paul couldn't. He had been given a charge. If Paul quit running, if he chucked in his life of service, he'd be lost. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16, if I do not preach the gospel, if Paul quit, he would not get the prize of salvation. He would be disqualified from the race and sent away in shame. To be disqualified means that Christ is not in you. The race has been run in vain. It was a sham. Now, Paul does not believe this about himself. His goal is to make his whole life a demonstration that Christ is in him and that Christ is mighty to save. Paul explains this beautifully in Philippians 3. He speaks about pressing on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul's goal is to obtain the prize that Christ Jesus is Lord had obtained for him. See, beloved, we should never think that 
the running of the race of life or the fighting of the good fight of the faith is something we do in our own strength. Of ourselves, it's impossible for us to attain the prize Paul speaks about in our text. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who truly ran the race, who really fought the good fight of the faith. When the author of Hebrews encourages us to run with endurance the race marked out for us, he tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. It's only in Christ and in the power of His Spirit that we are able to persevere in the faith. You see, beloved, Jesus Christ too had to run a race. He too had the crown of glory laid before Him. But to get to it, our Lord had to endure the cross, despising its shame. Christ had to walk the pathway of suffering. He had to submit Himself completely to the law of God. He had to become the Lamb that was sacrificed to pay for our sins. Christ had to suffer the wrath of God to redeem us. It's only in Christ's sacrifice of His body and blood that we can find life. In our text, Paul is not suggesting we can lay hold of the prize in our own strength. His point is that having received God's grace in Jesus Christ, will impact how we now live our lives. If we truly believe the promises of the gospel, then we believe that there is more to life than the here and the now. There's more to life than we can see with our physical eyes. Paul uses the image of athletes complete, competing in the games to teach us that we too are running a race, that we too are competing for a prize. The word prize used in our text refers to sharing in the heavenly citizenship Christ has earned for us. When athletes compete in the Olympic Games, their goal is to win a gold medal. In ancient times, the prize was a special wreath that was placed on their head. It's what today we would call a crown. Paul encourages us to fight the good fight of the faith in such a way that we may obtain an imperishable crown, a crown that lasts forever. He speaks about this crown in 2 Timothy 4, verse 8. Paul refers to it as the crown of righteousness that the Lord will award to him and to all those who have loved his appearing. Yes, beloved, the Lord has laid up a rich reward for all who seek him. A glorious inheritance awaits all those who love him. God has promised us that in Christ our redemption will be complete. Already now we may share in the benefits of Christ's death and resurrection. In him we are righteous. We've received forgiveness for all our sins. By the power of his Spirit we are holy dedicated to the service of God. The Spirit renews us so that more and more we live God-glorifying lives. Already now, we have in our hearts the beginning of eternal joy. And yet in this life, we still face sickness and sorrow, struggles and hardships, 
sin, and death. But beloved, there is something far greater. God has stored up for us a heavenly inheritance, a great treasure, a crown of glory, a prize that will be awarded to all those who find their life in Jesus Christ, who live out of the power of His Spirit. God has promised us life with Him on new heavens and a new earth, a time when our joy will be made full, a time when we will experience the peace that surpasses all understanding, a time of great glory with God and His angels and all the saints. Paul writes in, two, in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. In our first point, we've seen what the prize is for running the race. In our second point, we'll focus on the manner of running the race. We've seen that the Christian life is a serious affair where the stakes are very high. What you do with your life, how you run your race, and how you fight your fight will make the difference between sharing and the promises of the gospel or being disqualified. It'll make the difference between attaining the heavenward call of Christ, of God in Christ, or not. It'll make the difference between receiving the unfailing crown of glory, or not. The Christian life is like a race and like a fight. It's like running and boxing. Life is not a game without lasting consequences. The way we live our lives has eternal consequences. Life is a proving ground where we prove who we are, whom we trust, and what we cherish. Eternal life, the heavenward call, the crown of righteousness, they all depend on how we live our lives. Now, please understand, beloved, that our text does not promote a doctrine of salvation by good works. The race of life has eternal consequences, not because grace is nullified by the way we run, but because grace is verified by the way we run. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that, was, that is with me. You see, Paul's running did not invalidate the purpose of grace. It verified the power of grace. Paul's point is not that the way we run and the way we fight merits us eternal life. The point he is making is that faith without works is dead. His point is that a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Salvation is a free gift of God's grace in Christ Jesus. Yet we will be held accountable for what we've done with that gift. In our text, Paul's encouragement is that we run the race in such a way that we may obtain the prize. 
We run to obtain eternal life because this is what Christ Jesus has obtained for us. Our running is the proof that we're heirs of eternal life. You see, beloved, God has not saved you so you can sit in the stands. He's not saved you so you can lie down on the track. He's not saved you so you can sit outside the boxing ring. You're much more than spectators. You're competitors who have been called to run the race of life, to fight the good fight of the faith. As Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 6, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God with your bodies. The way we run the race is important. We need to run in a way that's glorifying to God. In a way that demonstrates that God is real. That He's precious to us. In a way that shows that we consider God to be powerful and pure, and holy, and loving. People need to see that we look to God in faith for Him to fulfill our needs and satisfy our desires. Running and fighting are all about revealing who Christ is for us and who we are in Him. They're about showing how precious the prize of eternal life with Him is to us. So how is it that we are to run the race? Paul encourages us to run hard in such a way that we'll obtain the prize. As he says in Romans 12 verse 11, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. In our service of Christ we are to run with zeal, to be aglow in the spirit. Think of the great commandment that Christ taught in Matthew 22. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. We're not to be lazy or idle or sluggish or unconcerned. God calls us to serve Him with an undivided heart, with our whole being. The Bible expresses this thought in many different ways. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. In John 6 27, Jesus says, Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. In Galatians 6, verse 9, Paul writes, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. In Titus 2, verse 14, he said that Christ gave himself for us to purify for himself a people of his own possession who are zealous for good works. In Hebrews 6, verses 11 and 12, we're told, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have this full assurance of hope until the end, that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, if you're going to run hard in a race, you need to be prepared for it. 
As Paul says in verse 25 of our text, every athlete needs to exercise self-control in all things. A runner training for a race will prepare himself for the race with a specific exercise program. At times, he's going to run sprints and do core exercises to build his strength. At times, he's going to run distances greater than a marathon to prepare his body for a long race. He needs to undergo training every day without slacking off. An athlete will eat a special diet. He refuses to give in to the desire for certain kinds of food. That might take away his edge. You see, his eyes are set on the crown. He'll do whatever it takes to win the prize set before him. Athletes need to exercise self-discipline in order to be able to run well, to compete for the prize. In Galatians 5, verse 22, Paul teaches us that this discipline, this self-control, is actually fruit of the Spirit. Ultimately, self-control is not controlled by the self. It's controlled by the Spirit of God. We often experience it as setting our will on something and going and doing it. But in actual fact, God is working in us to will and to work according to His good purpose. We live disciplined lives. When we believe that God's promise, when we believe God's promise that greater joy will come through self-denial, Disciplined living comes from trusting the Spirit to give us strength. What Paul is calling us to do in our text is to live out from the Spirit of God instead of relying on your own resources. A serious athlete doesn't ask about how he can just get by in his training. He seeks to do whatever he can to improve his running of the race. That applies to us in the running of the race of life, in fighting the good fight of the faith. We're not to run aimlessly, nor to fight as one beating the air. We've got a goal in sight, the imperishable crown of glory, and our aim is to make it our own. We long for the prize of the heavenward call of God in Christ, much more fervently than any athlete has ever longed for a gold medal. And so, beloved, each one of us needs to consider some serious questions. We need to consider what will make us most useful in the kingdom of God. What is it that stirs up your zeal for God? What is it that intensifies your earnestness in prayer? What is it that triggers your hunger for the Word? What strengthens your desire to love? What helps you to live a life of holiness before God? Focus your time and your energy on such things. They have value not just for this life, but also for the life to come. And young people, if there are things that stand in the way of your running of the race, get rid of them. We need to lay aside every weight, the sin that clings so closely, 
that we may run with endurance the race that is set before us. A Christian will not allow him or herself to be mastered by the appetites and impulses and the cravings of the body. As the Spirit renews us, we'll more and more say no to the sinful desires of the flesh. More and more we'll live our lives to God's glory. In Matthew 5, the Lord Jesus taught us that if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. Paul said it was better to beat his body into submission than to be disqualified from the race. Now we know that gouging out an eye is not going to put an end to lust. And cutting off your hand is not going to conquer a theft. The point is we need to fight such impulses with that kind of seriousness. In running the race of life, each of us needs to learn self-control, especially in this age of self-gratification we live in. We need to learn self-denial. See, beloved, it's not me that comes first. It's doing the will of my Heavenly Father that's most important. This morning, we rejoice at your public profession of faith. Valerie, Matt, Joel, Nathan, Rebecca, Colin, Kylie, Madison, and Kelsey. We're so grateful that you're responding to the promises that God made to you at your baptism, and that you're now committing your hearts and lives to Him. We see God's grace in your lives. How through the instruction of parents and grandparents, teachers and pastors, you've been built up in the faith. Today is truly a special day. It's a day of joy and thanksgiving. And yet at the same time, your profession of faith is a rather solemn occasion. This morning you're going to be asked to answer sincerely a series of questions as you profess your faith. They boil down to one thing. Do you love the Lord God? Is it your heartfelt desire to serve Him according to His Word, to forsake the world and crucify your own flesh? Are you willing to commit your whole life to the Lord's service as a living member of His church? Put it in the words of our text. Are you prepared to run the race? To fight the good fight of the faith? By saying I do to the questions that will be put to you, you're making a solemn vow before the Lord and many witnesses. A commitment to love and serve Him with your whole life. We want you to know that we're all rejoicing in that. We see God's grace at work in your lives. The Lord has brought you this far, and God is faithful. He will be with you as you run the race of faith. He'll be beside you every step of the way. He'll guide and direct you by His Spirit. The Spirit provides that guidance through God's Word. 
through the Bible. You need to read it and study it and meditate on it. Then it can be a lamp for your feet and a light for your path. It's the means that God will help you so you never veer off the racetrack, so that you're never disqualified from winning the prize. It's God's Word that is going to help you keep your eye on the prize. It'll teach you to live your lives from the perspective of eternity, to keep your eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ and everything He has done for you, to seek your strength and the power and the might of His Spirit alone. God's rich promises are what will provide you with encouragement to run the race, to fight the good fight. God has a rich inheritance in store for us, a prize worth far more than a gold medal at the Olympic Games. God has promised you the imperishable crown of glory. Take hold of this rich gift that Christ has earned for you. Make it your own by running the race of faith, by the power and might of God's Spirit. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing together from hymn 43.